looked at the first phase, and that was when Jesus Christ steps out on the clouds and He calls His children home in the rapture. That is known as the first phase of the second coming, and now we're tonight we're dealing with the second phase. Now, this is a, a very serious time that I believe what we're in right now because you're hearing and you're being warned of the terrible things that are yet to befall the earth. We look at this great God of heaven and at the beginning we looked at Him as a kinsman redeemer, as a shepherd of the sheep, as a humble king, a humble Lord. But tonight you're going to see the Lord of Lord and King of Kings in judgment. He's coming to put sin under His foot. Now, in this second phase of the second coming, there is uh, two things I want you to realize. You know, a lot of people look at the thousand year millennial reign and they think, well, the sin, there'll be no more sin. But that's not so. But there's coming a day thereafter when Satan is going to be loosed for just a season. And Satan being locked up in the bottomless pit for a thousand years does not stop sin. But there's coming a day when God will stop sin once and for all. There's coming a day when His judgment and fiery indignation is going to be poured out upon all that He ever created and all the created beings that He ever created. That includes the devil himself. There's coming a time when sin will be eradicated. But in between the first phase of His second coming and the second phase of His second coming, there's a great deal of judgment that's going to be poured out upon the earth. The Bible speaks of the fact that He's going to rule with a rod of iron. That tells you right there that there's a necessity to keep sin squashed down. The Bible tells you that there's not going to be anything defiling or mean enter into that new city uh, where the saints are. Nothing is going to be able to enter into that place that is defiling or, or sinful. So that tells you again that there's going to be a, a rod of wrath that's going to be encircling and encompassing the saints of God because of the, out, the, the outlying sin. But then there's God. There's God as He comes on that second phase. And as God deals with sin once and for all thereafter, we will finally be in a position and a place where sin will no longer I believe will no longer even encapsulate the mind of the saint because we will know no more sin. In Revelation 19, beginning at verse 11 down through verse 21, I want you to read this with me. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And him that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. 
You're looking at the ancient of days here. You're looking at the great I am who has always been. And he says in verse 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And as we're reading this, I want you to picture this scene. I want you to, I want your mind to go to a place. Maybe it's never been in this place before, but you need to go there tonight. Need to go to this place where the righteous judge is going to take care and rule with a rod of iron. And he doesn't need the help of anybody. You know it's often been said about these, these individuals that are coming behind him. You know I've heard people say well they're there to, uh, they're there just in case or something, something foolish like that. And you know what they're there to do? As he is judging and as he is ruling out. His wrathful judgment, they're there as a testimony of what the world could have had. It says in again in verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the, of the fierceness of wrath and almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the great one that Ezekiel 38 and 39 speaks of. This is the the, 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 the climax of what God is about to do upon this earth. And he says in verse 17, I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that, the, that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together for the supper, unto the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. Folks, I want you to realize, you know, a lot of times you hear about this mark of the beast. You hear about the mark of man, 666, and 
A lot of people make fun of these numbers and everything else, but I want you to know we're talking about something really that's going to happen. This is not a, a fictional uh, a movie setting somewhere. You know, you see, the, you see the advertisements. I saw it again the other day about Armageddon this and, and Armageddon and all this stuff. Let me tell you something. Armageddon is a real thing that's going to happen one day. It's not a movie. You know the reason why that they portray this so much in, as fiction and, and uh, as, as just a, a show, a movie, because they want you to get used to it. They want you to think it is really nothing. That's the way Hollywood operates, and that's just a, and again, that's exactly what we see going on in Hollywood today with all these other these other agendas that the world is trying to push upon the Christian. You see, you see this getting more and more advertised, and all they're doing is getting you used to the fact. I want you to think about where you're going to be. Let's say. Seven years past the great event of the rapture. I want you to think about what's going to happen in your life. I mean, seven years, seven years travels by very fast. I want you to think about what your, what your position is going to be. I want you to be thinking about the time when, when, when the Almighty doesn't just come back in the air, but He comes all the way to the ground uh, upon the Mount of Olives. I want you to think about this because it's a real event that's going to happen. I want you to be warned about this. If you're here tonight and you're lost and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to understand this is a real event that's going to happen. The Bible says again in verse 20, the beast was taken with him and the false prophet which wrought miracles before him. Which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And I can't get past this mark of the beast. Do you understand that you're not going to be able to buy, sell, trade or anything without a mark upon your body? You say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll resist. You will not resist. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you'll believe a lie and be damned. You'll believe a lie and you will receive that mark thinking it's your only hope. Only to know that it was your greatest, greatest destroying factor to receive the mark of the beast. So you can buy, sell, trade, get gain, live, receive medical attention. Receive all the things that you receive today. Receive your, receive the things that, that you have come, have come to expect. You know what I'm saying? You see, the government's got you set up. The government's got, got this nation, not just this nation, this is worldwide. And the governments of the world are setting the people up. To make them believe that there's only one place that they can find help. And that's through the government agency. Folks, I want you to know something today. They're getting this, this world is being primed. This world is being primed to be taken over 
by the Antichrist. And, and listen, there's only one way you're going to survive during that time, and that is to receive the mark. You know, today, people receive things that they come to find out later was not so good after all. This goes on to say, again, that those that received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. With sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Again, I want to speak on this second phase of His second coming. Tonight, if you're here and you don't know the Lord's your Savior, you need to really pay attention to what I'm saying. Because as I said a moment ago, seven years is nothing. Seven years will pass before your eyes before you even know it. And then... Almost gracious and divine Heavenly Father. Lord, as we bow before your throne this evening, we do so with thankful hearts. We're thankful, dear God, number one, that you saved us by your grace. We thank you, dear God, that we are not consumed with fear, for you have saved us from wrath. We do not even now live by the spirit of fear because... We live by faith. Lord, I pray that you will bless the message tonight. Help us to deliver it in a way that's understandable. Lord, I pray that even the lost around will take in the words that are being said. And they will contemplate their own end. Father, I pray tonight that this might be the very evening that you save the lost in this house. They may be spared the wrath to come. Lord, I pray that you will bless and you will receive honor and glory this evening. We ask that you forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name. And amen. Emmanuel, we come together tonight to study a great event yet in our future. The second coming of the great God and Savior. Last week we looked at the first of two phases of the second coming. When the rapture of all the redeemed shall take place. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. Something that we need to grab a hold of. In verse 13 down through verse 18 the Bible says. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Concerning them which are asleep. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. That's that first phase of the second coming. That's the rapture of the saints of old. When these grounds around these old hills are going to be opened up and the dead alive, the dead buried are going to be raised incorruptible and that soul and that body is going to be reunited one day. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, we that could be even tonight, who knows, 
if the rapture may occur this very evening. Who knows but what the rapture could happen before we get through with this message. Who knows if the rapture could happen before we wake up in the morning. But we shall not prevent them which sleep. In other words, we shall not go before them, but they shall go first and then we thereafter. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet Him, the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, since you know this saved individual, since you that are redeemed understand what the Bible saying here, he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Listen. First Thessalonians 4 brings it out very vividly, doesn't it? Now tonight we're looking at the triumphant return as the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, the very conqueror of all evil. Let's look at this event and stand in amazement at His triumphant and magnificent power and dominion. First of all tonight, I want you to look at something with me. I want you to notice the righteous judge. You know, I've heard people say, well, don't you think it's an arrogant thing to, to be judged the way you are? And listen, we're talking about the God of heaven. We're talking about the Creator. We're talking about the One who has made all that is or ever was or ever will be. We're talking about that God. Who are we to say anything about that righteous judge? Amen? Who are we to say anything about that righteous judge? You know, I've heard people say, and, and, and today, especially in this last day in which we live, you hear so much of people talking about the judgment and talking about who, is, who has a right to judge. Folks, I'll tell you who has the right to judge, the maker of all of it. He has that right because He is. But I want you to think about this in verse 11 down through verse 16 of Revelation 19. It, we see here the first phase of the second coming. He is coming as a kinsman redeemer. Our great shepherd of the fold as, as he calls from the air. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4 there. He's coming back as our, as our, as our Savior, our Sovereign. He's coming back and He's calling us from the air. But there's coming a time. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 38 and also in Ezekiel 39, I'm going to read some of this with you. I want you to notice this judge. I want you to notice this one who's coming. Ezekiel chapter 38. Verse 1 down through uh, uh, verse 4, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog in the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, 
And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, and all them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, and all them handing swords. Verse 7 says, Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and thy company that are assembled unto thee. Be thou a guard unto them. You know, it goes on down to speak about the fact that God Himself, all the way down through chapter 39 uh, and verses 1 down through verse 8, it talks about this, this, great, this great occurring time in the Old Testament as it prophesies what's getting ready to happen in Revelation. What an awful time it's going to be. It's going to be a time when the sun is turned to sackcloth. It's going to be a time when, when the mountains begin to tremble and quake underneath the pressure of the Almighty God. You say, is that something that's really going to happen? Have you ever, have you ever watched a, uh, not necessarily, well, a landslide, but you know what happens during a, a terrible earthquake or a volcano eruption? Uh, the, the mountains around that area, it just liquefies. If you ever watched that on, on National Geographic or something? The ground around it just turns into a flow of dirt and rock and debris. Well, the mountains are, are, are trembling under the pressure of the Almighty God. Destruction is coming. Destruction is coming and the Bible speaks of it very plainly. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee. I am against thee. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and thy people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. I will send fire on Magog and among the, those that dwell carelessly in the isles. And they shall know that I am the Lord. You know, at the first phase, the world won't even realize what happened. They'll try to explain it away. The rapture where all these individuals all of a sudden disappear. Well, they're going to have some kind of scientific logical explanation, of course. But how can you explain away millions of people who have vanished? I saw something advertised. Some show that they're showing now. You know what they're doing? They're getting you ready. I can't remember what it was, but it was something about a, 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 a group of individuals who had disappeared. And they began to try their best to explain it away. That's what's going to be happening here in the very short future. When the rapture occurs at the first phase of the second coming, listen, they're going to do everything in their power to disrupt the situation at hand. 
that as the second phase of all the earth and all the inhabitants of the created universe will see Him, there'll be no denying that then. In Revelation 19, 19, if you'll turn there with me for just a few moments this evening, I want you to look at this again. In Revelation 19 and 19, the Bible says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth, their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat upon the horse and against his army. Listen, they will know and see him. Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 16 deals with this, this very thing that's going to occur where, where God himself is going to be seen by all the earth. He's going to come as a conquering king, folks. When we look at the fact that he touches down at the Mount of Olives and there is a great valley there entrenched thereon, all the world's going to see this great God and King. They're going to recognize the great judge and the righteous judge. Zechariah chapter 14 and Joel, you see in those scriptures where, where this very thing in Revelation has been prophesied. He's saying, I'm coming. And vengeance is coming with me. You know, a lot of times we look at uh, old sayings like that and we kind of shrug them off, but I want you to know when God comes at the second phase of His second coming, listen, you know this, wrath and vengeance is coming with Him. And it's going to befall all who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The judgment of Almighty God is going to rest upon every soul that sinneth and every soul that has ever rejected the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior of men. There was a, a, a something I do want you to realize. If you're here and you're saved by the grace of God, there's coming a time when the Bible says the redeemed are going to rest from our labors. We're not only going to rest from our labors, but I believe the Bible states it like this, that our works are going to follow us. In other words... What's done for Christ is going to last. But there is coming a time when we're going to finally find rest. There's coming a time, and you know, and, and I look at this as, especially, you know, there's a time during the dark ages when there was a lot of lives lost. Millions of Christians were, were, were torn asunder, died at the stake. But in today's society, in today's world, millions of Christians, they're being bewildered by the sins of the world. We are having to deal with today things that we never thought we'd ever have to deal with. 
And then there's times when we think, how much longer, O Lord? But know this. He said there's coming a day when rest is coming. When those that have committed all kinds of atrocities against you have assassinated your character for being Christian, for simply being Christ-like, have done everything in their power to destroy your character just because you're a Christian, Know this, there's coming a day when God says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know what? I, I look at people that have said and done things, and I'll be honest with you, I cannot say that I want to see them suffer the way God says I'm going to have you to suffer. I cannot wish that upon my greatest enemy. <coughs> But God says, I'm going to take care of it. So He says in Revelation, we shall rest from our labors and our works do follow us. The saints of all the ages shall finally one day find peace. You say, well, where do you see that at? Well, well, let's just go to Revelation 22 real quick. Revelation 22, and this is... This is the climax of this thing that we know as life. He says in verse 1, And He showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the, of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. Folks, that takes me back to Revelation 21 and 4. It takes me back to a place where God says, I'm going to wipe all your tears away. It takes me to a place where the Bible says there's not going to be any more death. There's not going to be any more suffering, no sorrow, no crying. There's not going to be any more pain, sickness, and, and, and destruction. He says the former things are all going to be gone. I had a man to ask me at one time, you think we're going to remember the bad times in heaven? I said, absolutely not. The Bible told me that in Revelation 21.4, all the former things are going to be done away with. Those things that cause hurt. The things that cause sorrow. The things that cause mistrust. Those things are all going to be done away with. And I told this individual preacher, I said, listen. If I had that in heaven, it wouldn't be much, would it? Heaven would be an awful letdown to me. If I had all the sorrows and all the memories of the bad times. man looked at me and said, well... Don't you think you're going to need something to remind you? I said, yeah, I've got the lamb standing right in front of me. I'm reminded every time I look at the lamb, he saved my soul and he cleansed me and made me whole. You see, I, I, that's the things that I want to look forward to. There shall be no more curse. 
What a future for the redeemed to look forward to. The saved are saved from the face of the angry God of heaven, saved from the vengeance and wrath to come, which, is un, which unfolds in 1 Thessalonians 5 and Isaiah 13. You see both of it. Let me ask you something here tonight. And this is just between you and God, and you know it. What does your future look like? As you sit in this house of God tonight, what does your future look like? Are you safe? Or do you fear the coming judgment? Do you fear the wrath to come? I say look to Jesus tonight. I say be spared the agony of facing the God of heaven as His wrath flows out like water. How can I do that? How can I be spared the wrath to come? Well, Romans in chapter 10 says it like this from verse 8 on down through about verse 17. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Sinner friend, you've heard me preach. You have heard the gospel time and again. It's in your ear. When it's talking about being in your heart, it's in your conscience. You have heard it time and again. The gospel of faith. The gospel of life, of salvation, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But then you always have that verse 16 that just kind of comes out there. But they have not all believed. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? You know, I could say the same thing tonight. Who's going to believe the report of Jesus and His salvation? Will you believe Him tonight? Will you trust Him tonight? Will you come to Him tonight? It's the only way you're going to be spared the wrath to come. I don't like to preach a salvation just to be spared from wrath. I like to preach a salvation to bring God glory. Listen. 
The Bible ends in that portion of Scripture in verse 17. We talked about how faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a gift of God, says Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So how does faith come? So then faith, says verse 17 of Romans 10, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You've heard the Word of God tonight. I believe you've been warned of the wrath to come and to flee from that wrath. Now I ask you, what's it going to be like for you in the future? Are you going to be sitting somewhere all alone, hiding, just trying to get by? There's going to come a time when people are going to begin to steal. They're going to do whatever it takes to try to stay alive. And if that means taking another life, they'll do it. Can you imagine what kind of life that's going to be? To be always running with fear. Always trying to elude the most hungriest person out there. Trying to elude the fastest person out there. The day is coming, friend. Trust Jesus tonight. Come to Him this evening. Be spared of all that, all the wrath and anger of a sin-hating God. Come to Him this evening.